Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles original edition, published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net and most of the link at top for online edition, you'll see the link to read A Course in Miracles OE. On that same drop-down, there's an option to subscribe to have both the daily text reading and the lesson for the day sent to you from the Course in Miracles Society. My name is Lori Cameron. This call is Monday through Friday from about 9.15 to around 11 o'clock a.m. Eastern. And today we're continuing our reading of Chapter 5, Healing and Wholeness, with Section 3, The Mind of the Atonement. We're also mindful of our lesson today, which is Review Lesson 52, containing five thoughts. That we originally had as Lessons 6 through 10. Reviewing, I am upset because I see what is not there. I see only the past. My mind is preoccupied with past thoughts. I see nothing as it is now and my thoughts do not mean anything. And by way of opening this morning, I was really happy to come upon this little brief meditation from Marianne Williamson. It goes like this. I inhabit the present with love today. The eternal self dwells in eternity and eternity intersects linear time at only one point, the present. Who you are in this moment, therefore, is who you truly are, and who you are is love itself. From that essential point of perfect being, created anew in every instant, miracles flow naturally. Love interrupts the past and opens the future to new possibilities, no matter who you are, no matter how young or old. In the present, all things are possible. While my ego mind would obsess about the past or frantically try to plan the future, my true self knows better. My willingness to experience the fullness of the present is the key to transforming both past and future. In every present moment, I will try to show up fully today with generosity, compassion, and to do the best of my ability to love for all beings, with love for all beings. I'm sorry. I inhabit the present. I inhabit the present with love today. Isn't that perfect for our review lesson? <laughs> Thank you, everyone. I was really happy to find that. That was great. Thank you, Lori. Mm-hmm. My privilege. Thanks, Karen. Okay, my friends, here's our reading list. This morning we have Robin Marie, Karen, Lemoyne, Donna, and Jessica. And we're joined in listening this morning by Harrison and Judy and Patricia. Has anyone else joined us that would like to say good morning or be on the reading list? Good morning, this is Sandra. I can read. Oh, thanks, Sandra. That's excellent. 
Okay, so we're picking up again in Chapter 5, Healing and Wholeness, with Section 3, The Mind of the Atonement. Paragraph 12, God honored even the miscreations of his children because they had made them, but he also blessed them with a way of thinking that could raise their perceptions until they became so lofty that they could reach almost back to him. The Holy Spirit is the mind of the atonement. It represents a state of mind that comes close enough to one-mindedness that transfer to it is at last possible. Transfer depends on common elements in the old learning and the new situation to which it is transferred. Perception is not knowledge, but it can be transferred to knowledge or cross over into it. It might even be more helpful here to use the literal meaning of quote-unquote carried over since the last step is taken by God. Uh, Robin Marie. Well, God honored even the miscreations of his children because they had made them but he also blessed them with a way of thinking that could raise their perceptions until they became so lofty that they could reach almost back to him. The Holy Spirit is the mind of the atonement. It represents a state of mind that comes close enough to one-mindedness that transfer to it is at last possible. Transfer depends on common elements in the old learning and the new situation to which it is transferred. Perception is not knowledge, but it can be transferred to knowledge or cross over into it. It might even be more helpful here to use the literal meaning of, quote, carried, unquote, over, since the last step is taken by God. Thirteen. The Holy Spirit, the shared inspiration of all the sonship, induces a kind of perception in which many elements are like those in the kingdom of heaven itself. Thank you, Robin Marie and Karen. 13. The Holy Spirit the shared inspiration of all the sonship, induces a kind of perception in which many elements are like those in the kingdom of heaven itself. 14. Its universality is perfectly clear, and no one who receives it could ever believe for one instant that sharing it involves anything but gain. Thank you, Karen. And Lemoyne. First, its universality is perfectly clear. And no one who receives it could ever believe for one instant that sharing it involves anything but gain. Second, it is incapable of attack and is therefore truly open. This means that, although it does not engender knowledge, it does not obstruct it in any way. Third, 
it is an unequivocal call to love. Every other voice is still. Thank you, Lemoyne. And Donna. Fourteen. First, it's here. Let me go back to thirteen. The Holy Spirit that shared inspiration. The Holy Spirit, the shared inspiration of all the sonship, induces a kind of perception in which many elements are like those of the kingdom of heaven itself. First, its universality is perfectly clear. And no one who receives it could ever believe for one instant that sharing it involves anything but gain. Second, it is incapable of attack and is therefore truly open. This means that although it does not engender knowledge, it does not obstruct it in any way. Third, it is an unequivocal call to love while every other voice is still. There is a point at which sufficient quantitative changes produce real qualitative differences. The next point requires real understanding because it is the point at which the shift occurs. 16. Finally, it points the way beyond the healing which it brings and leads the mind beyond its own integration into the paths of creation. Thank you, Donna. And Jessica, if you'd like to do 15 and 16. Okay. Um, 15. Second, it is incapable of attack and is therefore truly open. This means that although it does not engender knowledge, it does not obstruct it in any way. Third, it is an unequivocal call for love. To love. Every other voice is still. 16. There is a point at which sufficient quantitative changes produce real qualitative differences. The next point requires real understanding because because it is the point at which the shift occurs. Finally, it points the way beyond the healing which it brings and leads the mind beyond its own integration into the path of creation. Thank you, Jessica. And Sandra. Um, Okay, 16, there is a point at which sufficient quantitative changes produce real quantitative differences. The next point requires real understanding because it is the point at which the shift occurs. Finally, it points the way beyond the healing which it brings and leads the mind beyond its own integration into the path of creation. 17. Healing is not creating. It is 
reparation. The Holy Spirit promotes healing by looking beyond it to what the children of God were before healing was needed and will be when they have been healed. This alteration of the time sequence should be quite familiar because it is very similar to the shift in time perception which the miracle introduces. The Holy Spirit is the motivation for miracle-mindedness, the will to heal the separation by letting it go. This will is in you because God placed it in your mind, and although you can keep it asleep, you cannot obliterate it. Thank you, Sandra. And is there a new reader for 17 and 18? I'm in. I can do it, Lori. Okay, Judy. Thank you. 18, right. Um, healing is not creating. It is reparation. The Holy Spirit promotes healing by looking beyond it to what the children of God were before healing was needed and will be when they have been healed. This alteration of the time sequence should be quite familiar because it is very similar to the shift in time perception which the miracle induces or introduces. The Holy Spirit is the motivation for miracle-mindedness, the will, the will to heal the separation by letting it go. I'm going to read that again. The Holy Spirit is the motivation for miracle-mindedness, the will to heal the separation by letting it go. This will is in you because God placed it in your mind. And although you can keep it asleep, you cannot obliterate it. 18. God himself keeps this will alive by transmitting it from his mind to yours as long as there is time. It is partly his and partly yours. The miracle itself is just this fusion or union of the will between father and son. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of joy. He is the call to return with which God blessed the minds of his separated sons. This is the vocation of the mind. The mind had no calling until the separation because before that it had only being and would not have understood the call to right thinking. The Holy Spirit was God's answer to the separation, the means by which the atonement could repair until the whole mind returned to creating. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Judy. And is there another new reader for 18 and 19?
Okay. Thanks, Harrison. God himself keeps this world alive by transmitting it from his mind to yours as long as there is time. It is partly his and partly yours. The miracle itself is just this fusion or union of will between Father and Son. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of joy. He is the call to return with which God blessed the minds of his separated sons. This is the vocation of the mind. The mind had no calling until its separation, because before that it had only being and would not have understood the call to right thinking. The Holy Spirit was God's answer to the separation. The means by which the atonement could repair until the whole mind returned to creating. 19. The atonement and the separation began at the same time. When man made the ego, God placed in him the call to joy. This call is so strong that the ego always desires at itself. That is why you can choose to listen to two voices within you. One you make yourself, and that one is not of God. But the other is given you by God, who asks you only to listen to it. The Holy Spirit is in you in a very literal sense. His is the voice that calls you back to where you were before and will be again. Thank you, Harrison. And is there a new reader to complete with 19? Uh, it's paragraph 19 in chapter 5. Okay, Robin Marie, it's to you. Nineteen. The atonement and the separation began at the same time. When man made the ego, God placed in him the call to joy. This call is so strong that the ego always dissolves at its sound. 
That is why you can choose to listen to two voices within you. One you made yourself, and that one is not of God. But the other is given you by God, who asks you only to listen to it. The Holy Spirit is in you in a very literal sense. His is the voice that calls you back to where you were before and will be again. Thank you, Robin Marie. And thank you, everyone who read this morning. Uh, Section 3, The Mind of the Atonement. It's one of my favorites. So to touch a few points uh, from that first paragraph, God also blessed his children with a way of thinking that could raise their perceptions until they became so lofty that they could reach almost back to him. The Holy Spirit is the mind of the atonement. It represents a state of mind that comes close enough to one-mindedness. The transfer to it is at last possible. In 13, the Holy Spirit, the shared capital inspiration of all the sonship, induces a kind of perception in which many elements are like those in the kingdom of heaven itself. First, its universality is perfectly clear, and no one who receives it could ever believe for one instant that sharing it involves anything but gain. Second, it is incapable of attack and is therefore truly open. Third, it is an unequivocal call to love, while every other voice is still. And this point requires real understanding, because it is the point at which the shift occurs. Finally, it points the way beyond the healing which it brings, and leads the mind beyond its own integration into the paths of creation. 17. Healing is not creating, it is reparation. The Holy Spirit promotes healing by looking beyond it to what the children of God were before healing was needed and will be when they have been healed. The Holy Spirit is the motivation for miracle-mindedness, the will to heal the separation by letting it go. This will is in you because God placed it in your mind and although you can keep it asleep, you cannot obliterate it. 18, God keeps this will alive by transmitting it from his mind to yours as long as there is time. It is partly his and partly yours. The miracle itself is just this fusion or union of will between father and son. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of joy. He is the call to return with which God blessed the minds of his separated sons. This is the vocation of the mind. The Holy Spirit was God's answer to the separation, the means by which the atonement could repair until the whole mind returned to creating. In 19, when man made the ego, God placed in him the call to joy. This call is so strong that the ego always dissolves at its sound. This voice is given you by God who asks only to listen to it, asks you only to listen to it. The Holy Spirit is in you in a very literal sense. He is the voice. He, his is the voice 
It calls you back to where you were before and will be again. Amen. And the floor is open for a bit before Donna has volunteered to lead our lesson reflection. So thank you, everyone. Thank you, Lori. I love this section, too. Um, the call to joy. Who can resist that? <laughs> and there's that word lofty. There's um, only eight places in the text where that word lofty is, is used. And um, this is just so beautiful to me. You know, that God honored our miscreations. That God wouldn't trump my misery. He He loves me so much that he would let me... He would even let me make myself miserable, but he would call to me and say, this need not be. You need not be miserable. You need not suffer. You need not believe that you can be anything less than perfect. The, um, in, that, in that first paragraph where it speaks of, um, he, blessed, he blessed us with um, the Holy Spirit so that we could have a way of thinking and perceiving that could raise our perceptions until they became so lofty. They could reach back to God. What does that mean to you? What does that mean to me? <laughs> it means a lot to me. It means everything. Um, the Holy Spirit is the mind of the atonement um, that will all be restored to the perfection, to our perfection as God created us. Um, there's so much in this. I just um, want to make one other point that's important to me, um, that healing healing is reparation in, in paragraph 17. Um, you know, that, that we never heal alone, that every loving thought and every healing thought that I have heals the sonship as a whole, that the Holy Spirit is the shared inspiration of all the sonship and um, that's what restores the kingdom of heaven to our our awareness to to that the fact that we are the kingdom of heaven and um, he promotes healing back to 17 he promotes healing the Holy Spirit promotes healing by looking beyond it overlooking it or he doesn't forgive because he just looks Beyond it, that whole idea to me um, keeps me um, in Christ consciousness as an innocent bystander that I see through the eyes of Christ the innocence that that God created us, that as children of God we were before healing was needed and will be again when everyone has been healed. That to see the, the perceptions of us thinking we're images and bodies and that what we think we are is simply not true and the only the truth is true and the truth can never be threatened or changed or altered it's in a constant state of peace and joy and um you know god keeps this will alive in me um and this is a constant source of who i am how he created me to be in a constant state of peace and in joy. And to see that is to be miracle-minded. 
and to be have a healing, a sense of healing for the sonship in its totality as God's one creation. That's the vocation of my mind. The only creative use of my mind is to um, listen, listen to the Holy Spirit, and learn how to let him correct my misperceptions of the world, my judgments on the world, and um, to remain always in a constant um, state of joy and peace. Um, <laughs> let's go home today. Heaven, Heaven's a decision I'm, I'm going to make today. Thank you so much for bringing us together, Lori and Lemoyne. I love you all as one, one and the same in truth. I am complete. Oh, thank you, Judy. <clears throat> thank you, Judy. <clears throat> this is Donna, and I'm ready, Judy. <laughs> <laughs> I found this uh, good and ready. I found uh, I found this a beautiful reading. But the first thing I I thought I might bring up is the word reparation. The word reparation is so in the psyche of our current uh, uh, so-called whatever we are, this life we're living now. And uh, and what, what comes to me about that is what comes to me always about anything that man does. So even the word reparation is used here in this reading with a context that is mind-blowing. So what I have discovered in my own walk is that every thought that man has, God has a purpose for it. And that's just so comforting when, um, particularly when, when we might look out and see something and say, what? The other, the other beautiful thing that I saw um, was in paragraph 17, part of 15, and I put part of 15 and 19 together and got, got an understanding for me and my walk. So um, from paragraph 17, I pulled out, God places his will in us. We can keep it asleep but not obliterated. And paragraph 19 was a bit from 15. The atonement and separation began at the same time. Thus, my comment, error was over before it started. The voice of the Holy Spirit is the call of love to love and awareness of one will, one life, and one being, I am complete. <clears throat> Thank you, Donna. Thank you, Donna. Thank you, Donna. Thank you. Love that Thank emphasis you. on awareness. Thank you, Donna. Good morning. This is Sandra. And one of the ways that I use my mind creatively to create is to is to seek out how all things work together for good. The connection of all things, the unity of all things, 
as soon as I judge, I just completely abort that mission. Because as soon as I judge, I put up the walls of separation. And I'm not, therefore, I'm not looking creatively to see how is all of this working together for the, for the highest and best. Because that's the truth. Truth is, everything does work together for the highest and best. And it's just my looking at the past and judging it that makes that not be so. So I'm going to let go of judgment. I'm really motivated. <laughs> Um, it doesn't mean that I'm not discerning, um, but it, it, it means that I'm including, not separating out. I'm including it as part of the creative process. I'm complete. Oh, that was great, Sandra. Thank you. Thank you, Sandra. I just got to give a shout, a shout of gratitude out to God for giving us this book in, in a way that so beautifully restores my heart and my mind to peace and joy. I'm so grateful for that. Thank you, Lord. Boy, I can echo that, Judy. Thank you. Ditto, ditto. Good morning, it's Karen. Um, back in 1988, I think, I don't know, maybe 90, no, it must have been 88, there was the harmonic convergence, and I wrote this song. Um, we had this vigil where we stayed up for three days, and then we had a big ceremony of being um, a circle of light. Anyway, I wrote this song, um, In the Silence of the Soul, Spirit Calls God's Children Home, Come Home, Come Home, Come Home to Love. Be free of the pain, surrender all your shame, let this sad story end, let the truth be seen again, come home, come home, come home, come home to love. Be redeemed by the light, healed in your Lord's sight. He sees you as you are, as radiant as a star coming home coming home, come home to love. We have answered the call to the spirit we give all, and all of our lives are returning to the light. We are home, we are home, we are one. Um, you know, in, the, in those days, I knew nothing. <laughs> I was just a baby, and I knew nothing about separation. I knew nothing about the Holy Spirit. I knew nothing about God, but God gave me that song because... It wanted to show me the truth that we have that inside of us before the atonement was necessary, before the separation happened. This is who we were and who we are and who we will be eternally. It's just the truth. It's inside of us. 
beyond all ego understanding, beyond a mind that could even think at all. I hadn't done any healing at all, at all. And yet the Holy Spirit spoke through me to give me that song. And now, so many years later, you know, what, 38 years later, 37, something like that, the truth is really dawning in a new way in this mind. Just um, witnessing to the truth in this moment. I'm complete. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Karen. It is Thanks, a great Karen. best spiral. Mm-hmm. Encore, encore. <laughs> it was beautiful. Thank you, Karen. There is no time. Thanks. Okay, who wants to listen to the ego, voice of the ego anymore? (laughs) (laughs) Good one, Judy. Well, maybe we're at a great place to um, take a pause for our lesson today. It syncs up so perfectly in that the Holy Spirit is the voice that will call us to remember that we came from the time before and will again be at the time before the intersection of past, present, and future with the eternal now. And for that... Um, Donna, we're going to look to you this morning since you volunteered to lead our reflection on the lesson. So with our gratitude, uh, please, I'll turn it over to you. Thanks. Thank you, Lori. Before I go there, something popped into my head, a scripture about the ego. And it, there's a scripture that says, cast down, all vain, cast down all vain imaginations. So there, that's another name for ego. And also, to me, this lesson so graphically placed the Holy Spirit in a, such an important place that I was reminded of paragraph 11 in uh chapter 4 where Jesus said to us if you will are willing to renounce the role of guardian of your thought system and open them to me I will correct them very gently and lead you home and to me that sounds just like the Holy Spirit's guidance so on that I am complete I'm going to today's um, lesson I'm grateful for Fran's guidance yesterday. That was lovely. So from review one, I'm going to read paragraph five. The purpose of your learning is to enable you to bring the quiet with you and to heal distress and turmoil. You will yet learn that peace is part of you and 
requires only that you be there to embrace any situation in which you are. And finally, you will learn that there is no limit to where you are so that your peace is everywhere as you are. And lesson 52. Uh, I am upset because I see what is not there. I see only the past. My mind is preoccupied with past thoughts. I see nothing as it is now. My thoughts do not mean anything. And I'm going to read a little bit from each paragraph. Reality is never frightening. Nothing in God's creation is affected in any way by this confusion of mine. I am always upset by nothing. And um, I see only the past. When I have remembered who I am, I will bless everyone and everything I see. I will look with love on all that I failed to see before. And my thoughts, my mind is preoccupied with past thoughts. Let me remember that I look on the past to prevent the present from dawning on my mind. Let me learn to give the past away, realizing that it is that in so doing, I am giving up nothing. I see nothing as it is now. What I have chosen to see has cost me vision. Now I would choose again that I may see. And my thoughts do not mean anything. They do not exist and mean nothing. My mind is part of creation and its creator. I join all that is really mine. And I would like to add three words from what Lori read. That kind of sentence. Love is present now. I'll repeat the lessons. I am upset because I see what is not there? I see only the past. My mind is preoccupied with past thoughts. I see nothing as it is now. My thoughts do not mean anything. Let's take a moment of silence and peace to choose. Lesson 52, I am upset because I see what is not there. 
I see only the past. My mind is preoccupied with past thoughts. I see nothing as it is now. My thoughts do not mean anything. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Donna. Thank you, Donna. Thanks. Good morning, it's Karen. Um, I got up in, uh, this morning and meditated before the first call, and I felt like I hit a place where there was so much peace. It was a really peaceful place, a deep peace a deep feeling of security and oneness with God. And um, all I wanted to do from that place was send it out to do healing work for people. You know, I thought of all the people in my family and Turkey and Ukraine. And, you know, it was just nature. And I was just in that place of peace. And then when we went to the lesson and it said exactly, exactly what I had experienced, that that when we're in our true self and our when we are with truth in the Holy Spirit, we're at peace. We can take that peace into the conflicts. And I felt like that place of taking that peace this morning out to all these individuals and all these different circumstances, it felt real. There was no feeling like, oh, I'm just imagining this or doing a visualization or any of that. It felt like that I joined and it was a oneness with with various um, people, especially the people in my family. Anyway, then, okay, we're doing the exercise. Um, yesterday, the, the part of the lesson review that really, that really get, kept getting stuck in me was... I'm upset because uh, I'm never upset for the reason I think. I'm never upset for the reason I think. And I kept saying that over and over and over. And, of course, at the end of the night, it, it really sunk in. I am upset because this is a belief system based on fear. And attack is its mode. And everything is my enemy. And I am angry and I want to justify my anger because in this particular moment of time I'm identified with this false self. So then this morning um, I'm, I'm upset because I see what isn't there. So we went to the reading. <laughs> it's a glorious, glorious healing of God is I was you know, I'm feeling so peaceful and I'm feeling like I truly identified with my true self and blah, blah, blah. And then we go to the reading and my reading was two, two teeny tiny paragraphs and that was the pain that came up yesterday. That was the pain of me only being allowed to exist in this itty bitty piece of time instead of being normal like everybody else. And... My mind is in a good place, but the emotional body is so powerful. It's like I was impaled by a feeling of 
pain and despair. And when that pain, when I feel that pain, that emotional pain, even though I know it's not real, it's very powerful. And then my my ego mind clicks into trying to justify it and explain it and give it reality, to give it reality. This exists, and so it must be real, and there must be a reason. But that's the whole lesson of today, perfectly synchronized perfectly synchronized with my personal experience with the Holy Spirit. I am upset because I see what isn't there. I see only the past. In this case, I would say I would, my, um, my ego mind is in emotion. So it's, it's not just in my seeing, but in my feeling, if you want to call it that. I am preoccupied with these emotions of the past. They make me self-identify with falsehood. I see nothing as it is now because I'm so preoccupied with this feeling from the past. And ultimately and absolutely, this means nothing because I touched peace today and I know that peace is real and peace is who I really am. And all of this just needs to be healed and turned over to the Holy Spirit for purification. I'm complete and thank thank you, thank you, thank you for letting me get that out. I'm complete. Oh, what a beautiful completion to yesterday. <laughs> thank you, Karen. I'm so happy for you. Thanks, so Karen. Just the willingness to let the misery go. That's what it's all about. Thank you. Thank you for all of you for um, supporting me and the Holy Spirit being so strong on this call that that I really feel like the healing can happen after all the years of therapy. <laughs> Just like running around chasing my tail in the muck for nothing. This is like the true healing. I'm complete. Thank you. Oh, that's so beautiful, Karen. And that so syncs up with my experience, too. That vibes. Thank you. So um, just recognize how the the ego ego thinking and, and how these first 50 lessons really, really establish how we, we think we made ourselves into something we're not. And we really give it reality and believe in it. And it's so habitual from the time that we're little, this conditioning to be afraid and to be hurt and, you know, that the world's a hurtful place so it validates it, this this weak and vulnerable and um, um, sense of, 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 of self that is, is so vulnerable and afraid. It's, um, and the difference between fear and love, and that love, when um, in the second, what is it, paragraph 15, the second element that describes the, um, the mind or the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the Christ consciousness, is that it's incapable of attack because God himself would not trump trump. Our, our, our creative minds to, 
to create this version of, of quote-unquote reality. We think it's real, but it's not. And to letting it go in the gentle, tender embrace of his perfect love, the, the, the gift of the atonement, that doesn't attack us for having done any of this. But that's what the salvation is him doing of what we could never really truly do to ourselves. But we have to take responsibility for having done it to myself. The blame game has to end. You can't blame anybody outside of herself. And it's in taking the responsibility for the thoughts that thought me into this reality has the power to let the thoughts, the meaningless thoughts, the unreal thoughts, let them go so that I can be restored to my true creative, loving, and perfect perfection. You know, the, the, that I am only light, I'm only love, that I'm only joy, that I'm only peace. And this is an unshakable, incredible lightness of being, being spirit, purely mind. Spirit, pur- purely mind is what the Holy Spirit's teaching me, that you can't touch this thing that I am. We can't attack it. We cannot attack it. <laughs> It's like, hey, hail, hail, Lord. <laughs> I'm just full of joy today. It, I just love repeating it over and over until, you know, where is it that says that? Keep repeating it over and over. You know, partial belief in it, more stable belief in it, constant, consistent belief in it, till the ego is completely undone and gone. Bye-bye. I am complete. Love you guys. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, Judy. Judy. Good morning, this is Sandra. <clears throat> One of the things that I was afraid of was to feel negative feelings. <laughs> um, I, I felt so negative for most of my life that when I finally found a way out, um, which was through this book and other books, I, I didn't want to go back there. But what I'm learning in this new new part of of my evolutionary process, of my curriculum, is that if I don't allow myself to completely feel them without any judgment whatsoever, and I have this this comforter called the Holy Spirit, so when I'm completely feeling them, I can turn them over to the Holy Spirit and ask to be shown the truth. And then I get to see how they all work together because the Holy Spirit is all-inclusive. The Holy Spirit doesn't judge positive feelings, negative feelings, nothing. The Holy Spirit judges nothing. In fact, I'm, I'm the one who's judging, and I give it to the Holy Spirit so I can, so I can let go of that job because it's not my job. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, it's just it's in 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 recent years the 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 challenge has been to allow myself to feel those feelings and not take them personally. They're just feelings. Um and to turn them over to the Holy Spirit and then just let them evaporate because they're, cause they're not real. <laughs> That's what these lessons are telling me. They don't mean anything. They're not real. So I can let them evaporate. I'm the one who gives them the meaning. So just to allow them to pass through has been a whole new um, part of my learning experience. And, and not to get attached to them. Just allow them to pass through and particularly don't project them onto others. Because when I allow them to pass through me um, under the supervision of my Holy Spirit, my higher mind, then they're, they're gone. Otherwise, I'm, I can be, it's possible that I'll start projecting those feelings on others because I haven't completely done the work around them. So um, anyway, that's my take on it. Hope that made sense to people. I'm complete. I love that, Sandra. Thank you. Thank you, Sandra. That was great. Absolutely great. I really understand what you're saying. Thank you. It's Karen again. Um, Sandra, for me, I, I think what you said was really powerful because um, I've always been afraid, which of course is the ego's thought system, the fear that negative thoughts and feelings are quote-unquote bad, right? So there's a, a, an intense um, impulse to contract, to suppress, um, and that doesn't let anything come up and let it be healed. So I'm hoping and um, thinking I understand it, that if I could just open into the spacious self, I, I think things might, there might be things I don't like that come up, but they're just coming up to be released and to be transformed and to be offered into the Holy Spirit. Um, thank you. I'm complete. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Karen. Thank you for all your shares. Uh, today I find myself thinking about my friend in Reno a lot because he's got COPD and he's now on three liters of air, oxygen. He's going to his pulmonary doctor tomorrow and just um, breathing. And that's what he does. He takes care of his body and he breathes. And that's a wonderful thing that he knows how to take care of 
himself. But I would ask that we could um, breathe with him, just um, send him peace and love so that he can not have any fear. Thank you. Thank you, Robert Marie. And um, wouldn't it be wonderful if we could take a moment right now to hold... What's his name? His name is Dennis Gunn. Oh, I G-U-N-N. Yeah. Thank Thanks, you. Let's, let's do exactly that, to uh, take a moment to realize that the holiness we share embraces Dennis with the same mind of the atonement in which we're all held. Just holding him in the light. We'll take a moment. Thank you, everyone. Doesn't it feel good to bless? It just thank you so much. Makes me feel like that's why I was created to bless. So thank you for the opportunity. Thank you, Reverend Marie. This is Donna, and and during our um, holding Dennis up, it it occurred to me that Dennis is a living soul. Each of us are a living soul, and we are always and forever hid with Christ in God. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Donna. It's a beautiful quote. You are hidden, hidden with Christ in the mind of God, in the shadow of his wing. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. This is Lori. <clears throat> and uh, it hadn't occurred to me to think of it this way before. Uh, this morning, this is one of my favorite favorite sections because it um, because it describes that perceptual turning point uh, from the errors of my mind and my thoughts in separation to what's possible and true in the mind of the atonement. 
hadn't thought of it this way before, but remember yesterday we read the Holy Spirit is a difficult concept to understand because it's entirely symbolic. Remember that? Uh, my experience of it is pretty specific, but um, but um, it is a difficult concept to understand. So this morning, while I was sitting here just listening to everybody read it, it occurred to me, of course, it's like this. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. And Christ is the vine because he is all of us, rooted in source, the truth of all of us. And you are the branches. And the Holy Spirit is like the sap in the vine, that which carries the messages of truth. The truth being, um, while I thought I was a little broken branch on the end of this great creation, not recognizing what I am because I didn't recognize my relationship to truth. I felt isolated and alone out there trying to uh, understand what the truth is so that I could have a relationship to it, so that I could express myself rather than hide and content myself with my own private world and my own private thoughts. As that little broken branch on the end of this great creation, the vine and the branches, I didn't understand what was happening. (laughs) I just didn't understand what was happening. I watched people come and go, uh, bodies are there and then they die. Um, I had no idea because I had no idea of my relationship to truth. I had no idea what was expected of me. So I invented a life out there at the end of my little branch. And through the inventions of my mind, um, I started to interpret in my own way what everything meant, the comings and the goings, the livings, the dyings the hurts, the pains, and all the ways I felt separated from creation in my private story. The atonement is the healing of my mind. The acceptance of atonement is the healing of my relationship to this great creation of vine and branches. It is possible because of the healing of my mind the awakening of the spiritual eye, he says. The spiritual eye that recognizes the branch is broken but immediately makes a move to correct it. That move, that impulse, that waking of the spiritual eye is what he's talking about here when he says anyone who receives this universal inspiration induces a kind of perception that's entirely different. Wait now, I'm not out here all by myself trying to determine what reality is and make my own decisions about how to live my life as I see fit. There's a relationship to something greater than myself. That's what he means by a kind of perception. Its universality is perfectly clear. It's perfectly clear because it's transmitted from the mind of God constantly. This one relationship that we all have to source. 
the Holy Spirit is the sap in that vine that carries this message to me constantly when I start to look within instead of look without, look outside my body and try and interpret what truth is from that perspective. The waking of the spiritual eye is the receiving of, of the truth. The movement of the sap in my own broken branch that tells me I have a relationship to truth and pulls my will. He says the atonement is so strong that it pulls my will, pulls my mind into its service. It is so much more desirable than the way I experienced life before. Its universality is perfectly clear. And the recognition that um, sharing involves only gain. Out there is a little broken branch. I thought I was part of time that I would live and age and die. And when my body was gone, this the great unknown that was nothing but fearful because I didn't have a connection to the vine. I didn't have that connection. The mind of the atonement is the sap. And once that spiritual eye awakens, I start to have different experiences. Karen, I just love the way you describe um, the different experience. Um, and he calls that sufficient quantitative changes. I'm receiving so much more of truth and allowing it to color my world in a way that I couldn't have done alone. Quantitatively, I run into situations that before would have induced terrible fear, would have induced a terrible defense, a terrible wish to withdraw and hide. But now something different happens. I have a different level of experience. And this is where the shift occurs. Qualitatively, I have a different kind of life than I did when I was a little broken branch out on the end of this great creation, looking out for a solution to everything instead of looking within to the Holy Spirit that reminds me of my connection, my relationship to Source. Don't you just love that? God keeps this will alive by constantly transmitting it from his mind to yours. The Holy Spirit, that sap that flows and keeps me in relationship with truth. And the reason this metaphor is so perfect is because he says this is, this is a real important point. He says between paragraph and 16, my mind is led beyond healing, beyond reestablishing my connection to truth, to creation. And that's where different kinds of experiences quantitatively shift me qualitatively so that in my life I've learned to express the truth of myself. I don't do that. I do it because the movement of this sap, the messages that constantly flow from the mind of God. And as a consequence, something wonderful happens and I, I'm just here to notice this wonderful thing where suddenly, um, suddenly it seems, um, 
I can look at my life and realize there's fruit of my having been here. Something changed as a consequence of the way I learned to express myself in truth. My experiences shift entirely and I start to recognize I start to recognize at the deepest level that when I see truly what I see responds to that seeing my experiences change quantitatively so magnificently that I realize because this sap flows through and out of my mind that produces something different that's quantifiable that's uh, observable it's like the light of awareness changes everything around me and it responds to having been seen that way he calls this scene vision I would rather have vision than my way of seeing because with vision there's fruit my life has fruit and people are blessed it's not anything I do I don't do that it's the movement of the sap in its relationship to source and vine um, the mind of the atonement that sap that returns me to right relationship with my creator and with creation in a way that brings love into my mind and into my experience where am I in that equation where am I except that which allows all of this mind of atonement is not to be something striven for um, you know ego mind strives 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 efforts 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 um, mind of atonement is to me the mind of allowing of sitting and listening to just that voice he says I learned to listen to just one voice it was the final lesson I learned to allow that sap that truth that flow from the mind of God to my mind and let it change me so that this life becomes an expression of that um, to me that's the joy of living and I'm complete what a joy thank you Lori thank you so much that was so beautiful yes Lori thank you there are no words <laughs> thank you so much thank you thank you Lori, the takeaway, um, the difference between striving, ego, mind, and allowing, allowing, allowing. You've made the point in the past of, I don't know. And I use that all the time now. I mean, you, 
there's been a live stream from India, which I love to uh, watch them or do the meditation with. It's been taken away. Just <laughs> fine, you know, because I don't know. It's okay. I don't know. I don't know. It's just what is right now, the answer, you know, allowing. Thank you so much. Oh, that was a delight. Thanks, Karen. This is Donna. I was looking at our reading today. In the last sentence of paragraph 19, the Holy Spirit, oh, almost last sentence. The Holy Spirit is in you in a very literal sense. His is the voice that calls you back to where you were before and will be again. And I have a prayer. <clears throat> yeah, I 
a living prayer that I live with, being still, listening for the still small voice and letting it be in control is good. I am complete. Thank you, Donna. Thank you, Donna. I just just love the way he breaks it down, you know. Um, this lesson is so great for that. Seeing the difference between... Um, and that's the thing. If I can... Um, if I can, in every specific situation that I find myself, look at the difference between how I see it and how I know it's possible to see it with the Holy Spirit, something wonderful starts to happen in my mind. I, I can see more clearly uh, why my way of seeing made me so unhappy and how it's possible to exchange my way um, for what's possible with guidance from the Holy Spirit. And so every one of these lessons are related to each other, these five review lessons, because they invite me to see what's possible right this minute. You know, um, it, it's helpful to know that um, when I feel like I'm separate, I'm projecting my mind errors, but it's much more helpful for me to see in the moment, to see in the moment that I find myself out of peace, that, oh, oh, I'm out of peace right now because I'm seeing this from separation. Wouldn't I rather have a better way to see this? Wouldn't I rather call upon a different defense? And that's what the atonement is. You know, the mind of the atonement, he says, is so gentle. You need but whisper to it. And all it says will come rushing to your defense. Oh, I'm out of peace. What's possible here? I'm out of peace because I'm seeing it wrong. I'm interpreting with my own mind what I'm seeing. And like as not, I'm going to be seeing... Um, on the basis of my own life experience. And that's the problem, seeing on the basis of my own personal life experience. None of that ever made me happy. You know, wouldn't I rather change, exchange, not change, exchange my way of seeing out of the past and interpreting out of the past? for reality. It promise, promises me reality is safe and sure and holy kind to everyone and everything. 
and there is no greater love than to accept this and be glad if I'm not seeing that my mind's out of whack I'm seeing seeing something from my conflicted state of mind I thought it was this <clears throat> Holy Spirit saying this is possible if you see it like it is right now um, it, it was a real shift for me to realize that um, <laughs> you wouldn't think it would be but it was to realize that miracles are always now they weren't yesterday they're not going to be tomorrow the miracle is always now and it always is that shift in perception where I recognize in this moment in this moment in this moment <laughs> you know I'm thinking of of um, <clears throat> wait, wait here's something we had a new fireplace installed a gas fireplace took out the old one put in a new one and after a year the screen on that fireplace was all black and I went outside and looked at the vent the vent was all black and eco mind would say uh, boy somebody really screwed up there <laughs> there must be something wrong my right mind at the same time said oh this is an opportunity to be blessed now you know there's just an entirely different way to shift the mind when I recognize um, oh I'm out of peace right now because I thought somebody screwed up every single opportunity like that is an opportunity to say oh there's something here that's going to bless me why because my ego mind would see it this way but I want to see it through the eyes of the Holy Spirit and when I do I will send messages thoughts the thoughts of God will just transmit from my mind to the mind of that person and that person who comes to look at my fireplace will feel blessed by the opportunity to do that why because the Holy Spirit is transmitting loving thoughts from my mind and what's the consequence to me I feel great I feel really great why because there was a moment when I thought somebody really scared up and I'm gonna get angry but I have a different choice I can choose differently and every single time I choose differently I'm rewarded with a different experience of whatever that was and as that seems to happen more and more um, I start to recognize the great power that's invested in Holy Spirit's vision in Christ's vision because reality changes in response to it um, it's, it's magnificent and I start to gain the, the awareness that I'm along for a great ride um, and it's not it's not my right directed it's directed by something so much more magnificent than me and as I allow it to do that things change and become great for other people in ways that I could never ever ever have planned you know and, and I start to recognize that there's no accidents in salvation 
no accidents at all. We're always in exactly the right place. And when people come into our awareness, it's because it's an opportunity for them. At the same time, it's an opportunity for me. And together, we wind up realizing something bigger than both of us in a form of blessing that's perfect for both of us. And um, this is what he means when he talks in the manual for teachers about this power of this within us, but not of us. And um, the mind of the atonement is magnificent in its power uh, to save me and every situation I find myself in in a way that can be a blessing. And um, this section, you know, invites me to say, how can I hop in and take a ride with this? You know, and what what do I need to let go in order to embrace this? And I'm always rewarded when I let go of my way in a specific situation and discover what's possible uh, that I would not have seen on my own. Um, anyway, I'm using the silence here just to um, to share some stuff that blesses me. I'm complete. Thank you so much. Can you call Patricia forward a little? Excuse me. Trisha here? Hello? Come ahead. Come ahead, Patricia. I thought I got this. I'm getting disconnected um, often, so that's why I frequently listen. But this gives me uh, what's uh, been here yesterday and the day for three days. It's the third day. Every bit of the application ends up as soon as I've, you know, repeated or, you know, qualified some statement is, okay, now there's nothing to fix. There is nothing to fix. And, the, and it's very, very focused, meaning the next thought, If it's, well, I need to stop doing this for breakfast, hold back. There's nothing to fix. And it's like, my thoughts inside are being told, you you stop it and that you can continue that thought if it has nothing to fix in it. And then I go, but wait a minute, I need to do these things. Well, then no. Do nothing until you can approach it with nothing to fix. And it's been going on and on, even with uh, outer things in the world, you know, situations that are, you know, like some bills not getting paid for some desperate time period. And it's like, wait a minute, you mean, yes, absolutely everything. Oh, no. How am I going to deal with that? Until you know what you can do when you see there's nothing to fix. (laughs) I I can't tell you how simple but rigorous this is right now. That every lesson, it doesn't matter what the lesson is. It's like the way you're going to apply it 
is the thoughts in your mind will get silenced if they're oriented in fixing something. Your ideas and everything out there, your actions will wait until you can reformat. Well, my goodness. Like, I think, well, I've never been good with numbers. But I can sort things in the refrigerator. I'm very well organized. Let's do that. And it's so patience that, oh, how rigorous and valuable. I can share this out loud with you guys. When there is nothing to fix, oh, what a world. And there's a lot of silence in it. Waiting until, boom, an inspiration. And I'm hearing my language change. I'm hearing echoes of, uh, there's uh, dilemmas, big time, physical, worldly dilemmas. And I heard my voice say to someone, well, okay, as long as you know, this idea I will continue to vote for as long as <laughs> it's a celebration rather than fixing something. And I went, oh, my goodness, it's coming out. <laughs> but it felt so good. There's nothing to fix. It can feel painful, too, to wait. Thank you. Oh, that was so fun. Thank you, Patricia. <laughs> Thank you. I laughed so hard. <laughs> Thank you, Patricia. so sweet I just love that I just um, recognizing that voice too that you know it never commands or demands anything it's it's always about relaxing and um, being just peaceful and happy there's nothing to do um, nowhere to go there's no agenda in it absolutely no agenda in it just for the recognition that all is well it's all all right, and um, let it go, let it go, let it go. It's so so um, fun the way you talk to yourself, though. So. <laughs> I love it. Thanks again. Thanks, Judy. Thanks, Judy. Sorry, that was my cat coming up. If you'd like to sit between the drapery and the on the on the back of the headboard and and in the window, <laughs> like his little hammock. Anyway,
what's getting on to 11 o'clock. I'll wait. I am just reverberating the word rehab and and restore um, something that Donna said. And um, something about this prayer got going on about um, I've invited my guest with a capital G and I will not intrude the past upon my guest or, in other words, what I think I know (laughs) from the past, (laughs) which is two seconds ago. But the the intrude, I I had this funny thought this morning, intrude, um, that I hyphenated the word in the second part, rude, and, you know, what I think I know is being rude to the Holy Spirit. (laughs) And it just made me laugh. That's all, folks, the end. Oh, that's a real good one. Thanks, Judy. I never thought of that one before. Mm Mm-hmm. I love to play with you. Yeah. Thank you, Judy. Um, I just had one quick thought to put out there. Um, What I find hard, and I'm just saying this is a challenge, is the self-identification with the body. I mean, the body is my private world. It's not anybody else's body. It's my body. And, you know, even when I'm, when it's not about feeling physical things, either it's emotional things or even energy, you know, energy. I've got energy that, you know, this is my ego, this is my false self. It's very, um, what a temptation, I suppose you could say. So I'm just putting it in the light so that I can disidentify with that, um, False self-identity. I'm complete. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. I think I, I'm still with you on that. Having physical pain, the the um my the my pronoun is the way I'm I'm approaching it, and you know everybody's got a body. We can't deny we have bodies. Um, but to internalize it as mine and me being a victim of this particular physical expression is, you know, it's what makes me a victim of my body and its pain. Um, so I think at that, I'm always approaching it from the mind because it's really my mind's association with the body, identification with the body. It could be anybody's body. It could be a perfect body. It could be a body in a wheelchair, and who and what we are is not a body, period. It's the end of the discussion. So, you know, identifying or disidentifying um, with the personality attachment isn't, isn't as true. I think it's the truth is true, and nothing is true that we are not bodies, period, it's not that I'm not this body. I am nobody, nobody at all, <laughs> and neither is anybody else. We're one soul, one spirit, and I think the unification and the simplification of my thinking, because the truth is simple, it's universally applied and always applicable in every situation and circumstance, so that keeps it really simple and 
keeps me out of that analysis paralysis stuff because I'm I'm so self-critical, and that's a big big chunk of letting my pers- personality go. I'm not I can't judge myself. I am not a body. I can't judge what other people in their bodies have done to my body or not done to my body. So the body has everything to do with the ego and judgment. And you take the body out of the the formula, and what are you going to judge? How are you going to judge spirit? You can't. It's an impossibility, right? So that's um, fairly obvious to me that I can't judge a mind because I can't see the totality of one mind, let alone the mind with a capital M. There's no judge. There's just simply no judging it. It becomes really obvious. And uh, deny, don't deny the obvious was huge on my billboard of my mind for weeks. So that's what I got from it. Thanks. I hope that's helpful. Thank you, Juice. That was helpful. Thank you. Somebody once wrote a, a poem or something like, I'm, no, I'm nobody. Who are you? Are you nobody too? Nobody. <laughs> I like that. And um, it's good that we do these things to help ourselves and everything. And I do a lot of things to help myself because I need to do them. And both spirit, you know, spiritual things, physical things, mental things, and emotional things. And I've told you some of them. I told you about the essences and. I've used incense, like I said, I, on one of the calls, good, relaxing, new age type of ambient, spiritual nature sort of music. This helped me a lot, especially this morning, I remember that. And um, and because because also, I, when I'm on one of these calls or with a group or, or anything, but especially if I don't really know the people that well and I'm not even physically in the room with you and all that, I can't judge because for all the other reasons that Judy enumerated, but also because um, I just don't know what you may be going through when you're on the call. You may be saying nice things and everything, and yet... Inside, you're feeling horrible. And I don't, you know, or, of course, you could apply that to me or whatever. It's true for all of us. So, you know, we we can't judge, and I can't judge, and shouldn't even try. Like I always say, only God can really judge. Only God has the knowledge of us to really judge, and God won't do that. God refuses to do that, doesn't want to do that. So if God won't do that, doesn't want to do that, and, and doesn't think he re- actually can or should do that, what the heck are we doing trying to do that? <laughs> I mean, because we're one with God, and yet in this time and space construct, we're, you know, we're not one with God at the same time. God still, until we're out of the whole time-space construct, quote-unquote, back, in heaven with God and with each other, like we we really are, but we can't see it yet. So in our experience, we're not. So in our experience, we're we're not. 
God is still better than us. <laughs> God is still bigger than us. God is still more intelligent than us. God is still greater than us. So if God doesn't want to judge, we can't judge. And we shouldn't judge. And <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Ida. That was Thank you, that was uplifting. It reminds me of, um, and I think we better close this recording, but it reminds me of a quote I wrote down yesterday that's just perfect in light of the mind of the atonement. The quote is, trying to free yourself with thought is like trying to escape a prison cell by adding more bars. And that's all, always the way the ego is. Oh, does it? But we have a choice in which voice we listen to. We always have a choice what voice we listen to. The Holy Spirit is the bridge to my real thoughts. And um, somebody who just shared reminded me of this as a close. It's from Lesson 156. I walk with God in perfect holiness. In paragraph 5 of that lesson, he says, The Light, capital L. The light in you is what the universe longs to behold. All living things are still before you, for they recognize who walks with you. The light you carry is their own, and thus they see in you their holiness. Isn't that beautiful and gentle? It's transforming gentle light. All things are transformed into its likeness and purity. This is the way salvation works. As you step back, the capital light in you steps forward and encompasses the world. It heralds not the end of sin and punishment and death in lightness and in laughter. It is gone because its quaint absurdity is seen. It is a foolish thought, a silly dream, not frightening. Ridiculous, perhaps, but who would waste an instant in approach to God himself for such a senseless whim? The past is gone. The past is gone with all its fantasies. They keep you bound no longer. The approach to God is near, and in the little interval of doubt which still remains, you may perhaps lose sight of your capital companion. But the time of dream is past. Who walks with me? Who walks with me? Who walks with me? God speaks for you in answering your question with these words. I walk with God in perfect holiness. I light the world. I light my mind and all minds which God created one with me. That's the mind of the atonement. And... Um, Three cheers, huh? Thank you, everyone, for your shares today and open-hearted and open-mindedness, willingness to let God give the great gift of atonement. Thank you. Thank you, Maury, so Thank much. Thank you. Thanks.